Today, I'll tell you which games I think the Florida Gators will win or lose this football season, and we'll talk about some athletic profile comparisons for Florida Gators in the NFL Draft, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Friday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net, the best place you will ever find for all your gambling needs. BetOnline is where the game starts before getting into the content just gonna ask you like subscribe wherever you're listening leave a comment leave a review let me know how i can make the show better appreciate those of you that have given me some feedback so we can try to make this show the best gator show around getting into today's content though we're looking at the florida gators 2022 record i've done this before i did i did it i believe a month ago i will continue to do this a few more times uh, as we learn more about this team and see how this team is going to shape up. You know, yesterday was a scrimmage at spring practice, things like that, where uh, we're, we're going to find out who is going to start on this team, who's going to be the second string, third string, all that fun stuff. And it'll really, it'll help this team kind of kind of take shape and uh, be able to temper expectations, I guess would be the word there. But I'm just going to go right now with my expectations of you know the starting ends are Brenton Cox Jr. and Prince Liam and Mealing with with Javon Dexter and Jalen Lee or Desmond Watson at D tackle and then we've got Anthony Richardson is the starting quarterback in my mind right now. Montreal Johnson is the starting running back in my mind right now. That's what we're looking at when things change, I'll adjust accordingly. But I'm looking at this roster or this schedule and I see three losses here. I see Utah as a loss. I see Georgia as a loss, and I see Texas A&M as a loss. And maybe I should move Utah because I have wins, losses, and toss-ups. Maybe I should move Utah to the toss-up category. I think that all three of those teams obviously have great rosters. They're always, like Georgia and A&M, always stacked to the nines with their roster, but uh, they don't always perform the way that they should. Utah, the Utah game for me is more about, it's going to be the first game under Billy Napier where there's likely going to be some growing pains. You could practice, 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 and practice, and practice all you want, but when it comes down to it, when you get to game time, it's a different beast. Luckily, this game will be in the swamp, so Florida could hopefully take it. I I, I want to toss it into the toss-up. There's, there's two losses, and I'm assuming one of the now four toss-ups, Florida will probably drop at least one of those, but uh, I also think when you look at this roster and you look at the schedule, there are a few games where we expect Florida to win those games. It's Kentucky, I expect to be a win. South Florida, I expect to be a win. Eastern Washington, I expect to be a win. Missouri, I expect to be a win. Vanderbilt, I expect to be a win. And Florida State, I expect to be a win. So those those expectant wins to begin with will make Florida bowl eligible. So that's woohoo. That's wonderful. But then we look at the toss-ups and we've got now Utah's added there. We've also got Tennessee, LSU, and South Carolina. Like I said with Utah, my biggest thing is they've got a good roster, they've got a good defense, and it's going to be the first game under Billy Napier, and there were probably going to be some growing pains at some point between the offensive line playing full go against a very good Pac-12 defense, whether it's just just Anthony Richardson struggling with the great Utah defense and the great Utah secondary, whatever it might be. Then you look at Tennessee. 
And uh, believe me, I get it. We always beat Tennessee, blah, blah, blah. It's not even a rivalry because we beat them so much, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? We used to always beat Kentucky, too. And how's that gone the past couple years? And I get it. You could blame Dan Mullen. You could blame whatever you want. But Tennessee is an improving team right now with Josh Heupel. They are they are an improving team. I don't know if they're there yet, which is why I'm saying that they're, they're a toss-up because I don't know if, if they've gotten to their peak with Josh Heupel yet. I don't think their peak is going to be very high. I don't think he's going to bring them to be a top 10 team or even a top 15 team at that point. But I do think that they're going to become a very good team, and Florida is in this in the first year of their head coaching tenure while Josh Heupel's in the second year with Tennessee. So I think they kind of got a leg up right now, but I do think Florida still has more talent. It's just a matter of how things are going to really shape up, I guess. And then you look at LSU. Uh, my biggest thing here is that LSU seems to have Florida's number lately, but I won't buy into Brian Kelly at LSU until he proves it. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I feel the same way about Jimbo Fisher. I think that they are two of the most overrated coaches in college football, and I'm, I'm trying not to seem like I'm just being vindictive here. I've always thought of that about Jimbo, and I've always thought that about Brian Kelly. My thing with Brian Kelly is people are like, oh, he's, a, he's one of the best coaches. Then why doesn't he win more? That's my thing. That's my question. And then you look at Jimbo Fisher, and it's like, oh, he's a, he's a QB developer. Jameis, guess what? Jameis was bad for for the first few years of his NFL career, he was bad in college. He was just this this freak quarterback. He has tremendous skill. Jimbo Fisher didn't make Jameis Winston good. Jameis Winston helped Jimbo Fisher more than Jimbo Fisher helped Jameis Winston. And I don't care how you feel about it. That is an undeniable, unequivocal fact. That's what that is. So LSU, I'm not buying into Brian Kelly at LSU until he proves it. And I think the roster right now is just not there. It's not very impressive. They've had transfers they've had guys declare for the draft early earlier than they should have like davis price for example i think should have come back to school and i think the rest of the coaching staff the way it shaped out when brian kelly joined not super impressive like lsu sure they're going to be great at some point i'm sure i'm not sure if it's going to be with brian kelly but i'm not bought into him and i've said that multiple times now then the final toss-up is south carolina and i realize a lot of people are like mm, that's a little weird um but no I, I don't think this is a great team i don't uh Obviously, I think South Carolina, you know, they've, they've got they've got some things to improve upon, but Spencer Rattler is the reason that he's here. Um, my biggest concern for Spencer Rattler is that he's going to outperform the talent around him, and by that I mean is that the talent will falter, he will drag them to maybe bowl eligibility, and that's, that's great for him. Uh, but I, I think Spencer Rattler reunited with Coach Shane Beamer is, I think that's going to be great. I think Spencer Rattler is still tremendously talented, and I get that a lot of people were like, Wow, but he got benched last year. Like Lincoln Riley benched him. Um, I don't care. I, I like that. That means nothing to me. I think Spencer Rattler got benched with like a seventy percent completion percentage while still leading most college football efficiency stats. Like he's he's going to be great. That doesn't matter. And when Shane Beamer was there, they were tremendous. So I, I'm not worried about that at all. I think Shane, I think Spencer Rattler was very talented. Um, the rest of the team might let him down, but you know, sometimes all you need is a great QB to play hero ball and he can drag you to victory there. So that's why South Carolina is a toss up for me. But overall, I think Florida's bowl eligible. I think that they win seven, eight, maybe nine games. They're in that seven to nine range, obviously, as I just said, but, uh, you know, we've got to temper expectations here. Billy Napier. I am all bought in on him. I think he's tremendous. I'm fully bought in on his process. But at the same time, it's a process. It's not going to be this really snap, quick decision thing. No, it's going to take some time, and that's fine with it. As long as we see some improvement, 
that, that you won't get a complaint from me. We're about to talk about some NFL athletic comparisons for Florida Gators in the draft. But first, I'm going to talk to you guys about Bill Barber. It's spring break time. You got to get that summer bod ready because summer is just a couple of months away. I mean, it's it's April. Woohoo! Um, you know, don't worry. You can just get right in shape just like that. April Fool's. Uh, now, my, my issue is... I have a sweet tooth. Built Bar helps me address that because Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate, so it's nice and sweet. The flavors are delicious. Most bars have just 130 calories and just four net carbs, which is the most important thing to me. I'm a big carb guy. Along with 17 grams of protein, you get to throw out the hidden stashes, throw out the Reese's in the desk drawer, the Kit Kat in the cupboard, the Skittles, wherever you keep them. I don't care. The M&M in the bar like you're Kevin from the office, and the bowl like you're Kevin from the office. I don't care. I get Built Bar. You don't got to sneak around. You don't got to feel bad. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you'll never, ever get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or BuiltBar.com. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, like I've said, we're going to talk about some athletic comps. I've done a few of these. I've I've spoke about a few of these briefly. Um, I want you to keep in mind, I am saying that these are athletic comparisons. These are not play style comparisons. I'm not saying his pro comp is XYZ. I'm not saying, I'm just saying athletically, this is who they are very similar to. Uh, some of these will fit play style, but like first up, we got Zach Carter. Play style, done fit. But Kyrie Elam's next, and play style is a good match. But like I said, first up is Zachary Carter. Previously, earlier this week, I think it was, uh, I said that Cameron Jordan was a solid athletic comparison for Zachary Carter. I've found a better one. I don't think it's. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think Cameron Jordan's a wrong one. But I think I found a better one because I found Gerald McCoy's player pro- or athletic profile. And it's it's funny to me because, you know, athletically they're very similar. We look at, you know, they're an eighth of an inch height difference. They're 10 pounds. There's a 10-pound difference. They're 0.05 second difference in the 40-yard dash. They're, they're a four-inch broad jump difference. They're a 0.04 three-cone difference, 0.04 second three-cone difference. So athletically, you look at Zachary Carter, you look at Gerald McCoy, you look at their build, you look at their athletic testing, and it is very, very similar. But like I said, these are not play style comps because you look at when Gerald McCoy was coming into the NFL, it was, you know, he is this athletic freak. Like he was a freak of nature at D-tackle as an athlete. He was this, this finesse dude who was going to be a speed rushing D tackle, a mismatch on the interior. He was going to be so great at exploiting and shooting the gaps, making all these plays as a speedy D tackle, as a speedy pass rushing D tackle. And then you look at Zachary Carter and it, it's completely flipped. It, it's, you know, he's a good, not great athlete. He, he's he's got a little wiggle to his game, but for the most part, he's a power rusher. You look at Zachary Carter and you watch Zachary Carter play in that middle of the D-line, and he is more power than anything. The best move that Zachary Carter has in his repertoire is a, a bull rush. And you look at, like we just said, Zachary Carter and Gerald McCoy are very, very identical as athlete, as athletes. But when you look at their play style, they are vastly different players. Like they play in just such different ways where it's just going to, it's just gone to show you where 
the NFL has changed so much. They've gotten so much smaller, so much lighter, so much faster. Or Gerald McCoy nowadays would even be like, okay, you're probably better off as a power rusher. Like you're not this, you're not this insane speed mismatch because guards are faster, other tackles are faster. Where Zachary Carter now, I, I still think he's going to be great in the NFL. That's not a change. That's not a question at all. But it's weird how same athletic profile completely different play styles and it's it's a decade apart 12 years really but a decade apart from their their times entering the nfl then we look at kair elam the other star defensive player for the florida gators and there are a few athletic comparisons there are a few play style comparisons you know you can look at someone like Xavier Rhodes is a common play style comparison for Kyrie Elam. Uh, I, I think that one that's similar athletically and play style, but not totally athletically, so totally similar play style is Jeff Okuda. You know, you look at Jeff Okuda and Kyrie Elam are three eighths of an inch apart, less than half an inch. Although Jeff Okuda is 14 pounds heavier. There's a one rep difference on the bench. They're 0.09 seconds apart in the 40. And I, I, I think that they're kind of similar. I think Okuda might be like the happy medium here. But I'm going for a perfect match with Kyrie Elam. I'm looking at play style-wise, and I'm looking at athletic ability-wise. And I'm looking at someone who is from LSU, but their measurables are freakily similar. Their play styles are freakily similar. Greedy Williams is the guy. You know, you look at a, a long, wiry corner, Greedy Williams Kyrie Elam. You look at a corner where people go, you know, he could he could improve his tackling. Kyrie Elam and Greedy Williams. You look at their athletic builds, they're an eighth of an inch apart, nine pounds apart, with Kyrie Elam being the slightly taller and heavier one. They're two reps on the bench apart. They're 0.02 seconds apart in the 40-yard dash. They're 1.5 inches apart for vertical. The only one of them that are they really only aren't similar in broad, shuttle, and three-cone because only one of them did each of them. Uh, I believe it was Greedy did the broad, Kair did the shuttle, and three cone. Uh, so they didn't They didn't do those, but uh, you can assume they'd be pretty similar. They're so similar athletically and play style-wise. When Greedy Williams was coming out, it was, look, he's... he's uh, he's an elite press man guy. Like he, he could be a zone corner. He can learn that. You could teach him that. But he is a press man guy through and through with tackling difficulties. And then you look at Kyrie Elam, and what is it? It's he's an elite press man corner prospect, but he's got some tackling difficulties. You know, he's not he's not super physical in the run game. He he can play zone, but like should he? And again with Kyrie, of course, I think that yeah, you could play him in man. You could play him in zone. He yes. He's better in man than he is in zone. But I don't think that's a knock on his zone ability at all. I think he's a fantastic man corner, specifically as a press man corner. I think he could play off, and I think Greedy could play off. I was high on Greedy when he came out. I was like, yeah, like I, I like this dude. I don't care your tackling ability. I've said this before with Kai Uyur. It's like, I don't. I don't care how good of a tackler you are. That means nothing to me. If that's not what you're asked to do, then I don't care. That's like looking at a slot receiver, or like a big slot, I guess, who's like a tight end that's not like Evan Ingram like you're not good enough to play tight end but you're too you're not athletic enough to be a slot receiver or a full-time receiver so you play that big slot role it's like you look at Evan Ingram and it's like I don't care how good of a blocker you are don't ask him to do it like like put your guys in the best position to succeed and so I think that's a little bit different but uh Kyrie and Greedy Williams when I was doing this segment I was like wow that is that is insane that Greedy was this press man corner with tackling difficulties, and Kair is this press man corner with tackling difficulties. And and athletically, they're so uh, they're so similar 
where I think the only difference really is that Kyir is a little wider in the torso. Like Greedy Williams has longer arms, but Kyir has a larger wingspan because his torso is broader. So that's about the only difference though. We're about to look at some other player cops, but first we're going to take a look at bet online because March Madness is ending, but you can still some make you can still make some money on Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. I've been using Bet Online for years now. We're on five or six years at this point, and I couldn't be happier with them. It's got so much, not just basketball, not just football. Heck, not even sports. You can bet on reality TV, award shows, and like I said earlier this week, I don't know what the odds would have been for Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith, but I can guarantee you the next Oscars. They're going to have something for will a host get slapped by somebody. Uh, That's going to be a thing. And so much more. Or will they refer to it? That's going to be up there. I promise you. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. To wrap up today's show, we got three more athletic comps for you. First up is Damian Pierce. And Damian Pierce is a weird one. That's why I'm starting this segment with him because... There are not many players that have had his build. Most people that are around his weight are taller than he is. And I think that's fair. There's one player, though, that fits athletically, and I don't think he fits stylistically at all. Because we look at the athletic fit, and it's Spencer Ware. You know, they're half an inch apart in height. They're 10 pounds apart, where Spencer Ware is the heavier one. They're four reps apart on the bench. They're uh, 0.03 seconds apart with the 40-yard dash. They're an inch apart on the vert, and they have the exact same broad jump. And like I said, this isn't a play style comp at all. Like, like Spencer Ware early in his career, Spencer Ware was a fullback when he first started. Like his first couple of years, he didn't play much to begin with. But when he did, he was playing fullback. And he and he's kind of flirted, I guess, with fullback throughout his career, where sometimes he'll do it because he can he can play it. So people play in there. But uh Damian Pierce is a running back through and through. There's no question about that. Yes, he is his big bruising back, but there is no doubt that he is a running back. Like, like Damian Pierce is going to get carries as a running back. He, I mean, maybe put him at fullback every now and then. Like, if he goes to, like, if he goes to the Dolphins, I could see them wanting to get creative and just throwing him back there and just being like, hey, man, who cares? You're running around anyway. Why does it matter where you line up from? Or something like that, but... Damian Pierce is a running back, and he's going to be a starting NFL running back at some point in his career. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I think he's just so good where, yeah, athletically, he's Spencer Ware, but stylistically, not at all Spencer Ware. We'll talk about style comps on another day. But we got another running back from the Florida Gators that we're going to talk about, and that is Malik Davis. Y'all know Malik Davis is someone that I really like. I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys where he's going to make some plays in the NFL on Sundays and they're going to be like, why wasn't he? Why wasn't he a bigger draft prospect, or why wasn't he drafted? Because I don't think he will get drafted. But people will go, why wasn't he drafted? Why wasn't he used more in college? They'll say that about Damian Pierce and Malik Davis, by the way. They'll go, why wasn't he used more in college? Why? Why did? Why wasn't he a bigger name? And it's just one of those things where it's like, well, the coach screwed up. Malik Davis is one of those players though that has an athletic comp that also fits as a uh, as, as a play style. Comp. We got Theo Riddick here. That's the athletic comp and play style comp, and I don't hate it. I like it. Theo Riddick is obviously a better pass protector. That's something that Theo Riddick was very good at. That's one of the reasons that he stayed in the NFL for so long is that he is a very good pass protector. 
But I think Malik Davis is certainly capable of developing into that pass protection role. They're also both players that are great receivers out of the backfield. You can line them up in the slot. Theo Riddick's done that. Malik Davis will do that in the NFL. If, if he's on an NFL roster for a game day and he's playing, I can almost guarantee he'll be lined up in the slot at at, at some point. Uh, but they're half an inch apart, just one pound apart, 0. 0.03 seconds different in the 40. A four bench rep apart, theoretic being the stronger one there. The only real difference between the two of them athletically is the vertical jump because Malik Davis had a seven inch better vert, showing some legitimate explosiveness there. Where we've said Malik Davis, you know, he he plays more athletic than he tested. Like he's got the explosiveness, that's fine. His explosiveness is fine, but like his speed, uh, what was it, four seven one? He he plays faster than that. I don't care what the testing says, but at the same time, teams will go a running back running a four seven one is not going to play for me. A a slot running a four seven one is not going to play for me. So Malik Davis will get knocked off of boards, but at this point in the process, all you can do is go. Hopefully, he'll get the opportunity to work out with these teams and, and kind of figure out a way to get around a, a poor workout. And again, I still think he should have been a combine guy. But hey, I don't work for the NFL. The final player that we're going to talk about athletically is, is a difficult one to work with because it's Jeremiah Moon. And uh, I think when you look at a comparison, both athletically and play style or career trajectory even, you could look at Terrell Lewis from Alabama. You know, guys that... They've struggled with injury. They played edge, and and they were these massive human beings. Uh, but Jeremiah Moon is, again, I think a really good athletic comp for Terrell Lewis, but Terrell Lewis did not work out at the combine or pro day or anything. So I'm trying to use testing numbers to match these. I think Leonard Floyd is, is another one. Uh, they're less than an inch and five pounds apart. Leonard Floyd was faster in the 40. But like I spoke about this, you know, the other day and multiple times, uh, if you're an edge rusher or a defensive lineman, I don't care about your 40. I care about your 10, your 10 yard split. I always, I always almost say 10 second split guys. And it's, I, I, I cannot control, control myself, control. I cannot control myself, but the 10 yard split is what matters more. The 20 yard split and 10 yard split for Jeremiah Moon and Leonard Floyd are very very similar between them. And the vert and broad jumps are also very, very close, as is the three cone. So, you know, you look at athletically, I think Leonard Floyd's a great fit when you look at the athletic testing. But again, if I'm if I'm talking stylistically, I'm saying Terrell Lewis. If I'm talking athletically, not testing-wise, I think Terrell Lewis and Jeremiah Moon play very similarly. I, again, as far as being an athlete, but Jeremiah Moon's more of an off-ball edge hybrid, where Terrell Lewis is an edge only. Um, but I think Jeremiah Moon will will benefit from playing strictly edge. Thanks again for making Lock That your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back Monday with more on your Florida Gators, and we'll probably have a little bonus segment tomorrow at some point. Now make your second listen locked on NFL draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback, Eric Crocker, bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices for locked on Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with whole nine sports. That is W H O L E N I A sports. And I'll see you all Monday.